Good morning. My name is Conrad Morse, and I serve on the uh, board of uh, elders here, right here at the First Baptist Church. And today we'll be reading from God's holy word in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You may be seated. Join me as we pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity this morning to have our hearts dwell on you and your word. We pray as we Think about your word, that your Holy Spirit would use it to convict us of sin, give us hope in Jesus, and um, make us more like Jesus. We pray for those of us this morning that are struggling and challenged, and I think especially this morning of Karen, ask that your hand would be on her as she struggles with her health. Thank you for your kindness toward us, in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, if you're keeping score at home on how the service is going so far, Rogue is winning. I mean, was she amazing or what? I mean, one little kid can read a verse and you guys were all like tractor beams on Rogue. A little unicorn hat going on. Like, where's my unicorn hat? I get no unicorn hat. Nice job, Rogue. Glory to God. Pomp and Circumstance, a song that's played graduations. They play the song, and the graduates come walking out. It lets you know the graduates are there. Then at weddings, a song is played, and everybody knows to stand up at Canons and D, and there's other songs that are played. The song plays, and everybody stands up, and now the bride is going to walk uh, down the aisle, and everybody watches. The song plays, you know, okay, what, we know what's happening. If you're in a court, for whatever, for whatever reason, you might be in court. I don't know. I'm not judging. The bailiff will say, all rise, and his honor will come out, and everybody stands up uh, when the judge comes out. There's a, a procession that sort of indicates what kind of person is, is showing up 
uh, in the moment. And this is common also among world rulers. If they're going to visit a place, there's a, a processional that goes out before them. It's intended to communicate something about what the glory and power of this ruler is like. If you're interested in seeing what this looks like, it was made famous in two movies, one the original, one a remake. The movie is called Aladdin. And there's a cartoon version, but then the better version, of course, is the remake, the life version with Will Smith. I mean, he's fantastic in this movie. Who's seen it? No, come on, don't be bashful. Some of you are like, I would never watch. Okay, fine, I'll watch it. Anyway, uh, Aladdin is being dressed up and uh, uh, made to look like this powerful ruler. And so what happens is a processional goes into town. The goal is to impress the princess. And so there's dancing elephants and there's money being thrown around. I think there's some peacocks involved. And, uh, and it's a great musical number. You'd love it. And, uh, but what it does is tell us something about the ruler. It tells us something about Aladdin. He's a powerful and wealthy and mighty ruler from uh, who knows where. This is what the angels are doing. They are showing up as the processional to tell us something of the glory of the ruler who's coming. But what's interesting is the way in which they demonstrate the glory of the Messiah is a little bit strange. And I want to look at a couple of ways that this is strange. The, the stated purpose of the angels is to bring glory to God. And their audience is intentional. Shepherds. So this is glory to God in the highest. They want God to be glorified through the proclaiming of good news. That is, their, that is the glory of this ruler. The proclaiming of good news to all the people. That is, people like shepherds. So this is the processional. What kind of ruler, what kind of glory is this great king? He is one who proclaims good news to all of the people. Let's start in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar. Caesar, who is, of course, the emperor of Rome. Everyone is to be registered. Joseph is betrothed, engaged to Mary. Mary is with child, but they have not come together and consummated their marriage because her child is of the Holy Spirit. It is the Messiah. She has been told this. Because uh, Joseph is from the town of Bethlehem, from the line of David, they have to travel from Nazareth, which if you want to look in the map in the back of your Bible, it's just to the west of the Sea of Galilee, towards the north end of the Sea of Galilee, and they have to make their way to Bethlehem, which is to the south of Jerusalem a couple of miles, so a pretty decent uh, journey. So they make their way uh, down to Bethlehem to register. Why are they registering? Because the Roman uh, government wants to make sure they collect the proper amount of taxes, which is a great reason to be forced to take a long uh, trip with a pregnant woman. So the, some things that are really important that we learn about this family on their way is, number one, they are of the family of David. That's critically important. The Messiah is of the family of David. Second thing we learn is the child is born in Bethlehem. That's critically important. The Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem, and that's precisely where he was born. The other thing we learn, this is her firstborn, verse 7 of Luke chapter 2. She gave birth to her whichborn? Firstborn. It's not in there accidentally. This wasn't her secondborn, her thirdborn. We know at least one of Jesus' brothers also uh, authored a book of the Bible by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that's Jude. And so, therefore, we know he is the firstborn. He is born of Mary, her firstborn, 
not of Joseph, but rather of the Holy Spirit. These are all things that are important for us to understand because what this means is this is the Messiah who has come to save his people. This is the Messiah who has come to redeem Israel who has been lost, people who have been lost. This is the one. All of this information in these first six or seven verses of Luke chapter 2 is supposed to set off for us. Wow, this is a really important birth. This isn't just some birth. This is the birth of the Messiah. So here the angels are now going to come to proclaim the birth of the Messiah long foretold and anticipated in the Old Testament. And they're going to give this processional just like you would for any ruler, and they show up to shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. There were some shepherds in the field. In that same region, in the region around Bethlehem, there was a place where shepherds were keeping their uh, sheep. Look at verse 9 with me. The angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. So, we start with just one angel, and then the glory of the Lord is also shining around them. The glory of the Lord is seen as sort of an illumination, some brightness. But there's something different of this light. It's not merely a floodlight. It's a light that is clearly un- understood to be the glory of God. There were lots of bright lights. I, if you remember back to the Old Testament, it said Moses would go in and, and talk with the Lord in the tent of meeting, and then when he came out, he would glow in the dark. It doesn't say it, but that's what I imagine. It says his face would glow, and so then when he would talk to people, he would put on a veil. Do you remember this in the Old Testament? You can Google it if you can't remember it. He put on the veil because his face was so shiny. So this is different than a light. It wasn't like Moses in a tent at dark, you know, when you did at camp and you put the light on your face to do scary faces. This is in the daylight. There was brightness to him coming from the... um, illumination of God's glory. So this is the kind of light the uh, shepherds notice. And what happens is, what always happens when this happens, the shepherds were filled with great fear. This is appropriate fear. When an angel shows up, you don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what they're going to say. They might be saying, glory to the Lord, good news. Or they might be saying, glory to the Lord, about to get real bad for you. And so they don't know what's about to happen, and so they have fear. But the angels are here to proclaim the glory of the Lord because the Messiah has come, and we have to understand what kind of glory God is seeking. How is God most glorified? Verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, I bring you good news. So we learn something immediately about the glory of God. He is glorified to bring good news, the Messiah is born. Good news to you. Unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, anointed one, Messiah. That's a title. This is the Messiah, the long foretold son of David who has come to save his people. He is the Lord. So we're learning some things about the Messiah here. He has come, and it's good news that God is here. Sometimes it's not good news when it, God shows up. It wasn't good news for the people of Jericho unless you were in Rahab's house. When God shows up, it's not always good news, if you're, especially if you're in rebellion to God. Here he's saying, good news. Number one, the Messiah has come. Number two, the Messiah is the Lord. 
It wasn't universally understood that the Messiah, when he could, would come, would actually be God himself. Many were expecting the Messiah just to be another uh, really powerful ruler like David or Solomon or, or Samson, just a, a really powerful leader. But now we're learning something else about the glory of God. He's sending good news from his Messiah, and the Messiah is who? The Messiah is God. And so the angels are saying, God himself has shown up as the, the Messiah to bring you great news. Verse 12, this will be your sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then suddenly, there was with that angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. So all of a sudden, it went from one angel to a multitude. I don't know how, much, how many a multitude is. It's a lot. A multitude. Uh, many of you are not familiar with a multitude. A multitude is what a teenager has. Tudes multiplied over and over and over again. They just have attitudes. It's a different kind of multitude. This is a whole bunch of angels. If one angel is intimidating, how frightening is many angels? This was incredible. If you want to see what this scene might have kind of been like, you can do this on your own, go and read Revelation 4 and 5, where we have a glimpse into the throne room of God. The angels who have been spending all of their existence praising God, observing God, seeing what God is like and what He is doing, they show up to the shepherds to glorify God. So here is God's great processional. It's much bigger and much grander than Aladdin's processional ever could have been. But what's really important about this message is that God is glorified in two distinctive ways. Number one, He's glorified to give you good news. That brings Him glory, to give us Here's something good that's about to happen. He's not glorified to give us bad news. He's not glorified to smite us in this occasion. He is glorified here to say, I've got good news for you. Secondly, he is glorified because of a particular audience, the shepherds. The reason he came to shepherds is because he wanted to make it clear this message of good news was not merely for the religious elite or political elite. This good news is for who? It says right in there all the peoples. This good news is for everybody. If you will have it, this good news is for you. God is glorified this way. Verse 14, it tells us in their saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. God is glorified to have people who have peace with him. And the way to have peace with him is to have him pleased with you. And so the Messiah is going to do this. The Messiah has come to make it possible for us to have peace with God by God being pleased with us because the Messiah will bring us forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the means by which we have peace with God, and so therefore we can have God's favor, and so therefore we have good news. This is the procession that goes before the Messiah. Good news, forgiveness of sin. Think of a number of processions we might imagine I know sometimes you see on the news a uh, country in the um, other side of the ocean, a, a communist country or something like this. We might see them on occasion having a military parade. Have you watched these on the news or on YouTube or something? A country wants to show their military power, and so now they 
are bringing all of their military down and they've got their tanks and their giant missiles and people marching just perfectly and they've got weapons. And what they're doing there is proclaiming glory to our country because we have a powerful uh, military. There might be another kind of parade that is intended to communicate we are great and wealthy. There might be another way in which we demonstrate as a, as a culture that our glory is in our knowledge and our learning. Or there might be another kind of glory where our, our glory is in our arts and our status and our style. So Jesus' procession through the angels is a particular kind of glory. It is peace with God through forgiveness through the Messiah. That's where his glory is coming from. God is saying, this is what I want you to know about me. I am most glorified to save sinners through the Christ. I am most glorified to save sinners through the Christ. What kind of people do I want to save? All the peoples, as exemplified through the shepherds. These angels are glory seekers. They brag about God and his redemption plan through Jesus. That's bragging about God. God saves sinners. God saves sinners through the Messiah, and that brings him great glory. We might say it this way. We want God to have glory, and what we brag about God is what we, how we want him to have glory. Maybe, let me try and be a little more uh, confusing. Um, we brag that God has fixed our problems. We got a problem, and God fixes it. That's pretty good. God should be glorified for that. It is much uh, more likely that we will brag about God fixing a problem than we will brag about God forgiving our sin. You know, if if we show up here and I say, hey, I'm, I'm so thankful God forgave my temper this week with my family. I know what people will say. You have a temper? That's a problem. Now I got a problem with you. See, so, so therefore we've learned over time, you don't, you don't brag that way. Yeah, of course we're all forgiven, but just don't talk about where we're forgiven from. But I had a, a bill due and I prayed that God would provide it and he provided it. I'll brag about that all day long. I want God to be most glorified by fixing my problems. And the way that's demonstrated is when God fixed my problems, I brag about it. When, when God gives me grace because of my ongoing struggle with sin, I don't brag about that. But how is God most glorified in my life? He's most glorified to give me and you peace with God through forgiveness of sin. He is most glorified in your life, not merely to fix your problems. Thank God he does that. But he does something even more glorious. He brings peace through forgiveness of our sins when we trust him. What we brag about on God is what we hope he will be most glorified doing. The angels brag about this on God. He saves sinners by sending the Messiah for all the peoples. That's what their song is. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. And the only way to have God pleased with you is to be forgiven of your sin. So the angels proclaim the glory of God. God is glorified to bring the Messiah to give us peace with him. And they communicate that to the shepherds. The angels are not the only ones in this passage who glorify God. Who else glorifies God in this passage? The shepherds as well. Look at what the shepherds do. The angels went away from them into heaven. I don't know how they got there. I don't know if a door opened up or if they just disappeared or if they just flew up into the air. I have no idea. It just says. They just, 
These are the kind of things when people are writing the Bible, I wish they would provide some information on these kind of things. How do you get into heaven? The shepherds said to one, us, one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So the, the shepherds go, you know, the angels told us this incredible thing. The Messiah has come, and they've told us there will be a sign. The sign will be a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. You know what we ought to do? We ought to go check that out. And so the angels make their way to Bethlehem. It probably wasn't that long of a journey. And they show up, and everything is exactly the way the angels said it was going to be. So the shepherds believe God. When did the shepherds believe God? When the angels proclaimed good news to them or when they saw Jesus in the manger? And the answer is both. They believed the angels, and so then they went and saw Jesus, and then they believed the angels because they had seen seen Jesus. The shepherds then fulfill what God is doing through the angels. They glorified God by believing. So God is glorified through the angels to proclaim good news to the shepherds, and now the shepherds glorify God by trusting and believing what the angels said. They trust what they hear from the angels, and they trust what they see, and then at the end of the day, they tell others about this good news. So this is how it works. This is how God is glorified in the shepherds. They hear from the angels, go see the baby Jesus. They say, you know, we ought to go see the baby Jesus. Everybody says, that sounds good. Nothing else going on. Sheep seem fine. They make their way to Bethlehem. They see the baby Jesus. That's the baby Jesus. We can get saved. We can have peace with God. Yes. Then they go out and they tell people what? We saw angels. No. What did they tell people they saw? We saw Jesus. See, now, if you and I saw an angel, we'd be posting that on Facebook all day. The angels were, were impressive because of who they were announcing, not because they were glowy angels. And the shepherds understood this. Once they saw Jesus, the, the angels were second to this. The Messiah has come, and, and, he, and he saves people like us. The Messiah has come to give us peace with God. Then when they went and told people, God was glorified in the shepherds because they told people the good news. The Christ has come, and he will bring peace to all who will believe. Look at verse 15 again. Let us go and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Faith doesn't mean we don't see. We might say it this way. If they really believe the angels, why do they have to go see Jesus? Well, they must be doubters. That's it. They're weak, right? No. If they really believed, they would need to go. Why? Because the angel said, go and see. Because they believed, they went and saw. And when they saw, they believed. And because they had believed, and because they had seen Jesus, they told others the good news. There's a famous uh, physicist. He might be an astrophysicist. I don't know. Maybe you've heard of him. His name is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Who's heard of this guy? You've never heard of him? He's really funny. Uh, he's got a really big personality. And man, he's, he's smart. He's got more information in his left pinky than I've got in my whole head. He doesn't believe in the Lord. And he knows lots of stuff about space and planets and whatnot. And uh, he, they did a video with him on religion. And I always say this about people who are really smart. You can be smart about lots of stuff in your area. Stay in your lane, right? So he said, what do you believe about religion? And Neil deGrasse Tyson said this. Listen, tell you what, I'll believe in God when I look through my telescope and I see him. 
So when we keep sending things out into space, when one of those things run into something called God, I'll believe him all day long. And he said this, this is my problem with faith. Faith is believing something without evidence. And this is what really frustrated me, is I thought, you've never read a Bible. The Bible is filled with people believing because of evidence. That's exactly what the shepherds were doing here. We believe what the angel said. Should we go see the baby Jesus? Yes. Then they saw Jesus in that manger exactly as God said. They believed and they saw and they believed. Many of us have this as our testimony. We believed God and he gave us righteousness. And then over the course of our life, we saw him working and we saw his word at work in our hearts and we, we've seen him answer prayer. And over the course of time, we believe more. Faith is not merely the absence of information. Faith is believing what God has told us. Jesus came to save sinners like us. Verse 17, when they got to the manger, they told Mary and Joseph and all who were there everything that they had saw. And they all kind of wondered. Everybody was kind of astonished at this. Not astonished as in they doubted, but astonished that this was happening. This is good news. God is at work among his people. Mary treasured these things up, pondering them in her heart. I'm sure she had questions swirling around in her head. Verse 20, the shepherds returned. Look what it says, glorifying and praising God. Who glorified God more in Luke 2, the angels or the shepherds? They both did. The, the shepherds are merely the glory of God from the angels working itself out into the life of the shepherds. Sometimes you and I think, man, I would just love it if God would show up one day and just fill the room with light and glowy and brightness. It'd be wonderful if I could be at the Mount Sinai and see all that smoke billing out. If I could be in the tent of meeting and see the column of fire. And, and that, that would be moving to me. And God would be, I would love to see that glory of God. And we we sometimes might fail to understand, we see the glory of God when the good news has worked itself out in our own hearts. He, they made known to all they could see. The angel showed up. Jesus was there. You can get your sins forgiven. Now, thankfully, after they had seen Jesus, they were able to go to an evangelism training class. And they were able to learn the six steps, properly sharing the gospel, the Romans road. They could overcome the objections of any atheist or agnostic they might run into. Now, none of that happened, did it? No, because this is one of the things we need to learn about sharing the good news. A couple of things we might learn. Number one, we share the good news. What we want to do is, what has God done for me? What has God done for you? Well, I don't know. What has God done for you? Has God forgiven your sin? Yeah. You can tell, God has forgiven my sin. How do you know? I have peace with God. Well, I don't think there is a God. I wasn't asking your opinion. This is what's great about living in a pluralistic society. You can even use these words in a society that's pluralistic. Now, we're not pluralistic. We believe there is absolute truth that is defined by God. But if somebody questions the existence of God, it's very simple to say, well, my truth is there is God. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Now, if you want to be a real relativist, a pluralist, you can't argue with my truth. That's my truth. God forgave a sinner like me. Second thing the shepherds do, 
that a lot of us miss when we've taken 17 evangelism classes and memorized all the right verses in the book of Romans. There's something the shepherds did that a lot of us have missed because we've, we've aged in our relationship with the Lord. And I mean that with all due respect. I'm with you on this. Sometimes we have the enthusiasm. Sometimes we have no enthusiasm, I should say. We're sharing. Let me explain to you the six verses that tell you you must find Jesus. And, and the person feels like they have just walked into a funeral parlor. Why were the shepherds believable? Because they were so excited. They were talking about good news as though it was actually good news. Sometimes we talk about the work of Jesus in our lives as though it were the worst news we had ever heard. I'm so grateful Jesus forgave me for my sin. This is good news. Why is, that such, why is it so hard for us to talk about Jesus forgiving us from our sin? Because we have to admit we were forgiven of our sin. So what we do because we're nervous about talking about our sin is we talk about all of our sin before we were saved. That was hard for some of us who got saved when we were very young. Some of us got saved when we were very little. I was saved when I was still in the single digits. And that was just like 10 years ago. And so I'm trying to think, well, how do I tell people I was forgiven of my sin? I wouldn't clean my room, right? I wouldn't clean my room and I got in trouble, but I was thankful I found Jesus. He forgave me for not obeying my parents. I got an idea. Why don't you tell your neighbor the sin God forgave you of last week? Well, well, that'll ruin my testimony. Jesus is glorified to give sinners peace with God. Please don't tell your neighbors you have peace with God because you're an awesome Christian. We need the people of this world to know we have received good news for the sin we were saved of before we were Christians, for the save we were sinned of we did while we were Christians, maybe last week. And guess what? We have peace with God because the sin you and I are going to do next week is also forgiven. That's real peace. And that's something I like to call good news. And if you're going to tell somebody this kind of good news, we might need some enthusiasm. We might need to tell people good news as though it were actually good news, because it really is. Jesus saves sinners like us, just like Jesus saves shepherds like them. Shepherds return, doing exactly what the angels had done, glorifying God, praising God, telling people the Messiah has showed up. And that's been the job for us since that time to believe good news is actually good news and just tell others, guess what? Jesus saves sinners like you because Jesus saves sinners like us. Verse 20, this is really the key verse, I think, of this passage. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They were told they could have peace with God, they did have peace with God, and they knew the Messiah had come. Here's what we learn about God in this great processional. What do we learn about God given how he has uh, announced his arrival? God's the biggest thing. God's biggest thing. I mean, God's big. He's a big deal. He's kind of the big deal, and he's done a lot of really big things. What's God's biggest thing. It's not creating the sun. It's not creating the earth. It's not creating the stars. It's not creating you. It's not parting the Red Sea, although that is really cool. It is not destroying Jericho, although that also was pretty cool, although sad. God's biggest thing, 
sending Jesus to forgive sinners like us. That's his biggest thing. God is most glorified of all the things he has done. He is most glorified to send his Messiah to save sinners like us, to send Jesus to die on the cross, rise on the third day for sinners like you and me. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not merely because he had love for us, he did. Not because he felt sorrow sorrow for us, although he did. It's because it brings him great glory. Glory to God. The angels proclaim God. The shepherds proclaim God. And we bring glory to God when we trust him and proclaim the glory of his grace. A couple of things. We'll end with this before we close with the song. A lot of people back then missed Jesus. Not that they missed him, meaning he was there and they disregarded him. And the main reason people miss Jesus, even though they know of him, is because we want God to get glory in other ways than merely saving us from our sin. We want God to glorify himself in other ways besides merely saving us from our sin. We like the idea of being uh, forgiven, but there's some other things we would like God to do to Uh, bring himself glory. We would like God to fix politics. We want God to bring glory to himself by fixing politics. That's precisely what many Jews in ancient Rome wanted. That's precisely what many Christians in modern day America want. We want God to be most glorified by putting the proper people in power. If God decides to do that, that's for his own purpose. God is most glorified to save sinners like us. He is more glorified to save you from your sin than he is to put whoever you happen to want in power. God is most glorified to do that. God, uh, We want God to fix religion. We want churches to function the way they ought to. Or maybe we could say this, we want church to function the way we would prefer. God is most glorified to save sinners like us, not to have our religion act the way we want it to. We want God to be most glorified to provide for all the financial resources we need. We want God to be most glorified to provide for us the health that we need. We want God to be most glorified by having more famous people get saved. That's what we really need in this country, is another football star, country singer, hockey player, I don't know. That's what we really need. I want those guys to get saved too. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind if football players get saved. I have a problem with that, as long as they play football really well. No, I'm kidding. That's ridiculous. (laughs) But it's interesting that God did not announce the glory of Christ's birth to famous people. I think that's interesting. And then what we want is God to be most glorified by famous people getting saved. I want famous people to get saved too. God is not most glorified on that. God is most glorified to save you from your sin, even if nobody ever hears about it. That's what he's most glorified in. Don't miss Jesus by hoping God will be most glorified in something other than redemption.
Okay, next thing. Uh, to fully experience the blessing of God's glory in the good news of Jesus. Is that something you would want? I hope it is. To fully experience the blessing of God's glory in the good news of Jesus, we need to hear, we need to see, we need to believe, and then what? What's next? Tell others. You want to look at everything the shepherds did to experience the full uh, blessing of God's glory in the good news of Jesus. Hear the good news. Jesus saves sinners. See the good news. I see it. For us, most profoundly, we see it in the Word of God. For the shepherds, they saw the baby in the manger. We believe it. God, I have heard what you have said. I have seen how you work. I trust you to forgive me of my sin. Now I will lock myself in a closet till the return of Jesus. The way we fully experience that blessing is then to tell other people the good news. Jesus saves sinners. He saved a sinner like me. Then we experience the full blessing of God's good news. The job of ours is not to convince others. Our job is not to make a sales pitch. Our job is not to present a thesis with its, its variety of benefits. Our job is to tell people good news Jesus saved a sinner like me. The problem with telling people that is they're going to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, well, what kind of sinning do you do? So tell the truth. Shouldn't be a problem if God's forgiven you of it, right? Second problem is people don't like being told they're a sinner. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you go up to somebody and say, good news, Jesus saves sinners like you, they will not be offended by that good news. They will be offended that you called them a sinner. But the good news is only good news for sinners. The job is not to convince. The, God, the job is not to sell. The job is not to provide the benefits of salvation. The job is merely to tell good news. Jesus saves sinners like us. Finally this. The job isn't uh, done yet. God's glory will be seen by all the world when he returns. But he hasn't returned yet. One day we will see his power. One day we will see his glory. And that day is coming and we can't wait for it. But until that day comes, his glory is seen in good news being proclaimed by those who have received peace through Jesus. Glory to God. We love the idea of the angel showing up with that great glory. But what we discover through the shepherds this morning is that same glory is seen when that good news is such good news to us that we have to tell somebody, you also can have peace with God. It may not look like angels. It may not sound like angels. It may not be glowy. And it might be fraught with fear and doubt and conflict. But the reality is, that is where the glory of God, God is seen, when the shepherds proclaim glory to God. Glory to God. The angels proclaim to the shepherds. And God is glorified when the shepherds proclaim good news Peace on earth. Everything was as we had seen. Will you join me as we pray? God, we want to give you thanks that we get to celebrate the joy of the Lord coming to save sinners like us. We're grateful, God, that this celebration in this place of Christmas is a time of peace and happiness and joy, and we seek to engage in celebration. And we're grateful for that, God. But God, the peace we have as a result of the work of Christ is because you have saved and redeemed people who need forgiveness. God, we would pray that the glory of the Lord wouldn't stop with us. That you would move in our hearts to see and understand the profound weight of your grace to us that we, we couldn't help but share it.
with the people around us. God, we confess and admit we have wanted you to be glorified in so many other ways other than merely saving sinners. God, would you allow us to once again have our hearts renewed that your priorities would be our priorities, that we would see that you came to save us. Would you give us hearts that are humble like those shepherds, that seeing the coming of the Messiah, we are moved to celebrate. God, I know almost all of us are really intimidated and and afraid to share the good news with the people around us. And I am grateful, God, that because of your grace, you understand that. But God, would you do a work in our hearts that we would see and experience your glory by sharing with others the good news that we have heard and seen. Help us, God, instead of trying to make a sales pitch, instead to just tell people what you've done in our life that you've forgiven sinners like us. We thank you for Jesus, and we can't wait till he returns. Until then, God, we pray you would give us steadfastness and faithfulness to your work. I would pray, God, for those who are here who don't know you, that in these moments, especially as we celebrate Christmas, that this would be a time of good news where they would put faith in you for salvation and forgiveness of sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand up with us as we close with a song?